Sing it out. This is our destiny. The battle's already won. Make it loud. We're giving everything. By the cross, we have overcome. Hello, and welcome to the uh, Home Bible Study Podcast. Um, we are currently studying in the book of the Hebrews. Uh, the letter, the book, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the King James Version. And we are in chapter 12. Last time we looked at chapter 12, um, starting with verse 5 through verse 11. And in, that in those chapters, we saw the beginning of this uh, doctrine of discipline. And discipline is something that is not talked about as much as I think it should be. Um, but here the author is going into great detail about not only what discipline is as it pertains to God and godly discipline, the role that discipline plays in the lives of his people, um, and how he has a purpose in not only the way he executes that discipline, but in the fact that it's catered to each individual. So all of us experience discipline those of us who are true children and not bastards, as it was covered in the last time, that that's one of the things that is unique to a believer. One of the things that you can use to test whether or not you are actually a believer is the role that God plays in your life. How does God discipline you? And do you see that discipline coming directly from him? Or does it just seem like things are just happening to you and you're experiencing life and, you know, it's ups and it's downs. And, you know, sometimes hard things come and sometimes they don't. Um, that's kind of a general experience of everyone. But this discipline is very specific. It is catered to the individual in such a way that it not only... Uh, affects your life, but it also strengthens your bond with God. God uses discipline to strengthen the bond between him and his people. And if you're not experiencing discipline in your life on that level, then uh, I would question whether or not I had a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember, his relationship with his people is very intimate. It's very personal. And if you're not experiencing that, then you may want to um, question whether or not you're of the faith. Now, that's certainly not the only test. So please don't get me wrong to think, oh, well, then if I'm not experiencing that, then I'm not saved. That's not what I'm saying. But that's definitely one of the tests that you want to um, look at. And maybe one of these days I'll study that and do a, a study on all those different tests that exist to uh, those markers that really uh, let us know that we are of the faith. So that's one of the things that we covered last time. So this discipline is very unique. So there's a lot of aspects to this discipline that we want to go into because the, the uh, God is not just so simple that, you know, you can say, oh, it's this way or that way. God is complex. Now, his word is simple. 
His word is given to us in a way that's simple and easy to understand. But God himself is very complex. And only through God, the Holy Spirit, can we understand or hope to grasp the different aspects of God. But through the Lord Jesus, we have this uh, instruction as he's given it from the writer of the Hebrews. So let's jump right into it. I'm going to read some of the verses uh, so that and then we'll look into them to see how to apply them or what the writer is trying to communicate to us. So I'm going to start with verse 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. He says, wherefore, based on the things that I said before, wherefore, lift up your hands, which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking, digital, dil, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble, and thereby many be defiled. And I'm going to stop there because there's a lot here, and I don't even know if I'll get that far. But um, there's a lot being said here, and I want to you know, give it its due and try to carefully bring out as much as possible. So starting with verse 12. He bases what he's saying now on what was said before. So if you're with us in the last lesson, you saw what discipline is, who it's for, and the goal of discipline. And he's saying, based on those truths, now in verse 12, he says, wherefore? And wherefore, when you see that, you have to say, you know, what is it there for? So it's pointing back to what was said. So wherefore, because of these things, because we know these things that were said before are true, lift up the hands which hang down in feeble knees. Well, what does that mean? Lift up hands that hang down in feeble knees. Well, what he's, we have to remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the original members of the church that were all Jewish. They were experiencing extreme uh, persecution. They were being alienated from their uh, family members. Um, households were being split apart. Husbands against wives. Uh, sons against daughters. Daughters against moms. Moms against fathers. Because that's what the truth does. It divides. The truth does not bring people together. It brings Christians together, but it does not bring people together. Because um, it divides. That's what the truth does. So um, they were experiencing this and it was very difficult. They, their businesses were failing or they were non-existent. They were being excommunicated from society and it, overall experiencing great hardship. They were discouraged. This letter was written to encourage them, to exhort them. To make them to understand that the things that they were experiencing, A, God brought it into their lives for a reason. And B, um, that although everything was telling them that they were not on the path, right, by experience, the word of God was letting them know that, yes, you are, right? And that's the thing. We get so caught up in what we're experiencing 
that we lose sight of the truth. And it's understandable. We are born uh, creatures tethered to the material plane. So that's how we learn. We learn by experience. We touch a stove, it's hot. Um, we taste something, we, we like that taste, that's good. We taste something, we don't like that taste, it's bad. Even as an infant, they put everything in their mouth because that's how they experience their environment. That's how they learn about different things through the senses. So we are naturally have a propensity towards that. But as we become spiritual creatures, when we are made new and we're giving God the Holy Spirit, we have to learn to um, learn through God the Holy Spirit. We have to learn as spiritual creatures. In fact, we have to learn to become more spiritual creatures than we are physical. And that's that's this journey into holiness. Holiness pertains to our spiritual selves. Our physical selves can never be holy. It's impossible for our physical selves to be holy. But spiritually, we can be holy. And if we're spiritually holy, then everything else is sanctified with that. That's a principle from the Old Testament. So uh, we have to understand that. So we have to learn to be spiritual creatures. We have to learn to um, step into our new creation. So these people were learning that. And it's a difficult thing when you go from uh, being a carnal physical being to now, after being saved, being having the spiritual part of you awakened by giving being given life. Because it says that you were dead in trespasses and sins. That means you're, phys you're spiritually dead, not physically dead. You're spiritually dead. Spiritually dead people can't do anything. They're dead. But once God the Holy Spirit is indwells us, we have new life in Christ. So we have to learn how to live in that life. And the difference between the old man, the carnal, the natural man, and the new man in Christ, that is the journey that we take, and it requires discipline. Okay, and that's what this is about. So these people were experiencing that transition, and they were experiencing it in a very strong and powerful way. And so uh, many people today are experiencing that. There are people right now who have been newly saved and they're excited and they go to tell their family about it and their family thinks they're crazy. Their friends are like, hey, you can get out of here with that religious stuff. You know, I don't get into those kind of conversations. I don't have those kind of arguments, whatever. And you're like, no, I don't want to argue. I just want to tell you about what Jesus has done. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fine, but I don't want to hear it. And that's the experience that many people have. Um, and the closer you are to the truth, the more you experience that, unfortunately. And that's why it's so important for us to fellowship with one another. And it's, we can't forsake fellowshipping with one another. And that's what Hebrews talked about earlier, the importance of being able to encourage one another. And that's what this letter is doing to these uh, Hebrew believers and also to us. So that's what verse 12 is saying. Lift up your hands that hang down. And the picture is that oh, they're just beat. They're tired. They're beat up. This, this, it's just been hard. And it's just, they're so focused on what's going on to them, uh, going on with them physically and around them 
that it's just got them beat down. And their hang their their hands are hanging down. And it says feeble knees. Why are their knees feeble? Well, that's because they've been carrying heavy burdens. The heavy burden of being a believer, of knowing Christ. Um, we don't always see that as a heavy burden. But the more you grow in grace, the more you um, exhibit or grow on your spiritual side, you're going to experience this. Okay, it's a part of it. You may be experiencing it now. You may have experienced it for several years. It's a part of being a believer. So you get feeble knees because you're carrying that heavy weight. You're, everybody has to bear their own cross, remember? Each one of us has our own measure of that cross that Jesus carried. Um, we have to carry our measure of that. Now, when it comes to what he did on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, we have no part in that. But we do have a part in the sufferings of Christ because we are now a part of his body. So we will experience these sufferings in, in various ways and they're designed for us. And so these people were experiencing this and they were, they didn't have any guidance. Like, why is this happening? We, we know him as the Lord Jesus. We, we love him. We have embraced him. We know that he is um, sent from the father and, and we're experiencing, and it should be, everything should be great for us, right? No, not necessarily because there's enemies in this world. We have the world, the flesh and the devil against us. So these people were experiencing that and they needed encouragement and instruction to understand why this was happening. And this is something that all believers experience, right? And it kind of brings us closer together because we have this shared experience and it definitely brings, brings us closer to the Lord Jesus because it gives him an opportunity to not only teach us, but also reveal to us all the ways that he can provide beyond what we can even ask or think. So that's what this verse is. In verse 12, he's saying, because I know that it's grievous, the things that you're going through, but it's going to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. There's a positive end to what's being done right now, what's happening to you. So because of that, be encouraged. Don't look at the situation and let it discourage you. Look at what's going to happen as a result of this, how God is going to use this to make you stronger and to make you a more effective tool in his, for his use. And there's nothing greater that a believer could aspire to than to be used of the Lord Jesus, right? That's the highest use of man. And uh, that should be our highest aim is to please God in everything that we do, say, think. Um, and that should be our goal. And so these the discipline that he brings into our lives, though it's grievous, it's it's difficult. It weighs us down at times, but we have to press on. Press on to the high calling. That's what Paul said. He says, I press on. Well, you don't press unless there's something pressing against you. And what's pressing against us? Well, it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. All of these things are against us. But we have something that makes us to be overcomers. And that's the grace of God. 
The grace of God is amazing. And it is so multifaceted. And the only way we can really know the grace and learn about the grace of God is through experiencing it. And when we go through these trials, when we go through these hard things and God reveals his grace just when we think, you know, I can't take it anymore. Well, he's going to show us, yeah, you can. And you know how you can? Because I have grace for that. And we learned that, you know, yeah, it's not as scary as I thought it was. And the, the, the weight is not as heavy as I thought it was. Why? Because I'm not looking at the situation. I'm looking at Jesus. And when we look to him for what we need, it's amazing how that our perspective changes. Because instead of looking at it from the standpoint of looking down at our situation, we're looking up to him. And when we look up to him, we see how he provides for us. We see the grace that he has, even if it's just a breadcrumb to get you from one step to another. But it's sufficient. It's sufficient for the need. He provides a grace that's sufficient. So, so the writer is saying to these people, because we know this is true, you know this is a result, you know, lift up your hands that are hanging down, right? And your feeble knees, be encouraged. In uh, verse 13, uh, he's going to talk about the next step. Now, first of all, he encourages them and say, okay, be encouraged because there's a purpose for this. And in verse 13, he says, it makes straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So what does that mean? Make straight paths for your feet. What, is, what does he mean? He's saying that we have a responsibility in this process. That yes, God is going to provide grace for us to be able to bear up under whatever the trial is and to even deliver us. But we have a responsibility in this. There's a three parts of sanctification. There's positional sanctification. Jesus secured that on the cross. We're positionally saved. There is ultimate sanctification. That's when we're before him in heaven, right? But there's a middle one, and that uh, is progressive sanctification. And that's where we have a part in it, where we get an opportunity to learn about the blessing and benefit of holiness, of righteousness. Well, how do you learn that? Because you walk in the way. That's what he says. You know, walking away, he says, to and make straight paths for your feet. That means that we are to put forth a concerted effort towards doing what's right. We're faced with choices all the time. Every day we have choices. We're, we're, we walk on a, a path that has, you know, a split in it and we can go left or right. And it's very clear that if we go one way, that's not the right way. We know that. It's not like we don't, we don't know. We know ahead of time. You know, God has taught us, don't go that way. Right? But it's, it looks appealing. I mean, it's dressed up in a different kind of garb, but it's the same old bad stuff that we don't need. But man, they put in new packaging now. Right? And they added some new flavors. But we don't need to go that way. We need to go the other way. And so we're faced with those kind of choices all the time. So here the instruction is make straight paths for your feet. Don't, don't go on a crooked path. Stay on the path that is right, 
the path that God is leading you on. Listen to God, the Holy Spirit. Yield yourself to God, the Holy Spirit. Remember I said in past lessons that the ultimate lesson is to yield to the will, yield your will to the will of God, right? Follow God, the Holy Spirit. And that's what this means. Just make straight paths. That means you have a responsibility. You're going to make that path because you have a responsibility in this process. God has already made the path. It's there. But you have to consciously follow God, the Holy Spirit. Right? Not the old man. You know, the old you that wants to go down that other road. You have to consciously make a conscious effort to say, I'm going to keep my eyes on the Lord Jesus and follow him. Even though I'm being distracted here and there, I'm going to focus on the Lord Jesus. That's what he's saying. We have to do. We have that responsibility. Um, that's our part in this process. And it's a blessing that God would allow us to have a part in this process. We're not robots, right? He has given us the ability to experience going the other way and going the right way. And ultimately that experiencing that makes us to know that God is right. We should always go his way. Do we always go his way? No. But should we? Yes. And he proves that in our lives over and over again. Okay. So maturity says, the mature Christian says, I'm going to make my path straight. I'm going to take a straight path for my feet and walk in faith. And so what's the consequence here if we don't do that? Because, you know, there is a consequence. That's where the discipline comes in. <laughs> The consequence is in the next part of the verse where he says, unless he says that which is lame be turned out of the way. So what does that mean? So make straight paths for your feet unless that which is lame be turned out of the way. Okay, so if you continue to go down that bad path and you don't go down the path that you know is right, that's straight. Well, there's consequences. Those strong, sturdy steps that you could take down the righteous path. Well, they're, they're good. But if you go down that other path, it leads to lameness. Well, what is this lameness? Well, that's a metaphor for the weakness that comes from following sin. The weakness that comes from that in your life, the weakness in your testimony, the weakness in your faith, the weakness in your relationship with God. That is this lame that comes out of it. And what happens to what's lame? He said, unless that which is lame be turned out of the way. So the consequence is if you continue down that path, at some point, God is going to be like, you know, if you keep going down that path, I'm going to have to go ahead and do something about that because I can't have this lameness. It's not good for my testimony. It's not good for you. It's unhealthy. And so you're taken out of the race. You can't run anymore. You become shipwrecked. You're not of any use. And that's a terrible place to be for a believer. Not because you're going to lose your salvation. You never will. But I don't want to go to the Lord and stand in front of him when it's time for the beam of judgment. And he looks over my life and he says, yep, this is where you went out of the way. And I never 
had any use for you anymore. I don't want to stand before him and and have to uh, hear that. You don't either. If you love him, you want to please him. And he wants you to go down that straight path because it's the best thing for you. That's where the strength is. That's where you're going to have the encouragement. That's where the blessing lies. And it's all part of this process of discipline. So he says, don't go to make your path straight. Don't go down the other path because uh, that which is lame is going to be turned out of the way. That's the consequence. But he says, but, but rather than that, let it be healed. So this is the writer acknowledging that we will go down that bad path on occasion. But no believer is going to stay in the pigsty. If you're a son, you're going to be in the father's house. You're not going to be happy in the pigsty. So the son left the pigsty and went back to the father. What was he doing? He was turn he was leaving the bad way and he went back to be healed and the father embraced him when he came back. And he embraced him with love and that's what Jesus wants to do even when we fall, when we get out of the way. He's standing there directing us to the right way. And he wants to heal us. He wants to heal that which is lame, that which is weak. And he wants to make it strong. That's the purpose of discipline in our lives. That's what the writer is saying. This is all part of God's plan. And what it does, is it allows us to learn and know him and his love in a way that we wouldn't otherwise. And so God is very patient with us in that he is patiently showing us and proving his love to us over and over again. And he does that through discipline in our experience with him. And that's why the writer says, um, but let it rather be healed because that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants to heal us. He wants to heal us from every wound every weakness, every sickness, everything that is standing in the way of us enjoying holiness with him. He wants to heal us of that. And sanctification is the process to that healing. Verse 14, he says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So this should be our ultimate goal, right? Um, the action that we must take, we have to, you know, make straight paths for our feet. That's the action, right? Um, but our objective, our goal, the character of that walk that we're to walk during that straight path is to follow peace with all men. So how do you do that? How do you follow peace with all men? For me, that's challenging, maybe easier for you. But uh, somebody can cut me off on the road and I'm not thinking peaceful thoughts about that person. But the key is I can't see that individual as somebody who cut me off. I have to see them through the eyes of grace and faith and realize that I don't know what's going on with that person. I don't know where they are in their life. But they, for some reason, thought that was a good idea to do that, whether it be intentional or not. And it's important for me 
to be responsible for my feelings towards that person. Because I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I have a responsibility and accountability to him. I am going to uh, follow peace. Because that's what Jesus did. That's the example that he's given us. He followed peace. He was assaulted. He was insulted. He was called um, all kind of names, accused of many things that were all false. But he always saw peace. You never see him in a position of retaliation. He always saw peace. He always used the truth as um, his weapon. And he always manifested love, even to those who were unloving and not lovely. He manifested grace and love. And peace is the result of that. Now, does that mean he didn't suffer? No, he suffered. And that's part of this life that we, we live. It's just something you have to accept. But we do have the unique opportunity because of God, the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We can manifest peace. Unsaved people, they can't manifest peace. There's no peace for them what's at all. There's, they don't even know what peace is. You know, For them, if nobody's fighting, that's peace. It's not the kind of peace that is speaking of, being spoken of here. We're to follow peace, meaning we're to seek peace. We are to live a life that encourages or manifests peace with others. And that's challenging. But that's one of the goals of this discipline that he has in our lives to teach us how to do that. And we need to have that with all men. Right. And it's very difficult, especially when you have a personality that. Um. The first thing you think of is you want to fight, you know, that's the first, that's your default and you have to unlearn that and you have to not go by your natural instincts, but you have to learn to rely and trust the Lord Jesus through God, the Holy Spirit and yield to him and yield your own desires and wishes to put his desires and wishes ahead of your own. And that's that's this that's what's being said here to follow peace with all men. It's very difficult, especially when people are not peaceful with you when they're attacking you verbally or otherwise. But we have God the Holy Spirit and if we just follow this instruction, we will see a manifestation of God's grace and power like we couldn't see otherwise. If we would just step back and allow him to handle these situations and commit these situations that come up to him, then we'll be able to see his grace. We'll see his power manifested in a way that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. It's very important to follow this instruction for you and for myself. Uh, follow peace with all men and holiness. So you, peace and holiness go together. Well, what is holiness? To be holy means to be set apart, right? And so in this context, to be set apart from sin. So we're to actively have a responsibility to follow peace and we have a responsibility to actively pursue holiness. What does that mean? That means that we're 
supposed to be identifying sin in our lives and dealing with that sin. Taking it to the Lord Jesus as our great high priest. Confessing and asking him to cleanse us of that sin. And also through discipline, through his discipline, us showing us how to, you know, walk down the path that's straight and putting forth a conscious effort to live a life without sin. Does that mean we're going to live a perfect life without sin? No, but that should be our objective. And the more that's your objective, the more discipline he's going to apply and he's going to put you on a path that you're going to find yourself living a life that's closer and closer to him. And the closer we are to the Lord Jesus, the less sin is going to be in your life. It's just that simple. Because the closer we are to him, the further we are away from sin. The further we are from him, the closer we are to sin. And that's just a simple uh, formula that uh, is a part of the Christian life. So we want to be as close to the Lord Jesus as possible. And the way we do that is by walking on on that straight path and not allowing these distractions, uh, our own sin nature, right? The things the world throws at us, uh, not allowing those things to take our gaze off the Lord Jesus. Because if you just look to him, you're going to be so happy, <laughs> so joyful, so content in that love that you have for him and that he has for you that sin doesn't have an opportunity to come in your life. But it's when you we open that door up and we decide to go down that other way that's not straight. That's when we fall into trouble. And that's what the writer is trying to warn us against. He's like, if you follow peace and holiness, being set apart, there is a benefit, right? There's a benefit to that. And the benefit is, is that you're going to be closer to the Lord Jesus. And the, how much discipline will you require when you have your eyes on the Lord Jesus? Not much. It's when we take our eyes off of him. That's when we need discipline, right? So the, the more we keep our eyes on him, the better it is for us. Now, certain things are going to come into our lives regardless. But the experience we have with discipline, there's a direct um, ratio um, to how we experience discipline and how we experience the Lord Jesus. And the more we experience of him, the more we're going to see the benefit of the discipline. It's just, that's just the principle that's a part of being a Christian. That's the way God has made things to work. Just like gravity, um, we're, we're held down to the earth by gravity it's just a principle and once you learn these principles and you can apply them then you have an understanding of why things come into your life and when you understand why things have come into your life you can interpret these things through the scripture and you can go to the lord and say okay lord why is this here what do you want me to learn from this and you'll get so much more out of that that discipline that comes into your life It'll at least make sense. It doesn't make it any more fun, but at least you understand it. And there's no confusion there. And the Lord wants you to understand. He doesn't, 
He wants us to have an understanding of why he's doing this thing because because he loves us and he wants us to understand what's happening. And that's why he's given us his word. That's the purpose. That's why we need to be studying and learning as much as we can about his word. So it says, follow peace with all men and holiness it says without which no one, no man shall see the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, basically, it means that apart from holiness, we can't see God. You'll never because God is set apart from sin. So you there's there's going to come a day when a new earth and a new heaven are going to be created. And that new earth and new heaven will be a new earth and a new heaven that knows no sin. Right now, the heaven that exists has been stained with sin. How do we know that? Well, because there was a revolt of the angels. A third of the angels revolted. That's sin. So that stain of sin still exists, right? That's why a new heaven has to be made. Uh, Satan still has access to go to heaven. So sin still has a presence. But God has purpose that sin will be done away with. That's why the father sent his son to do away with sin permanently once and for all and that day is coming it's going to be the eternal state and it's going to be a wonderful day um and so no man can stand before the father without holiness well we don't have any holiness in and of ourselves but we have the holiness of the lord jesus christ that's why he came in the form of a man and he lived a perfect life without sin. It became the only sacrifice that could do away with sin forever. And when the father placed sin upon him, he bore the guilt and penalty of that sin. Well, where did that sin come from? It came from those people who he had purposed to save. Everybody who he elected to save, he took their sin and placed it on the Lord Jesus. My sin. If you're saved, he placed your sin. And he bore the, the cost of that. And so what did he give us in exchange for taking our sin? He gave us his holiness. That's why we are positionally in Christ saved. Right? This progressive part of the salvation, that's the discipline. That's where he's teaching us about that grace. And he's teaching us about what he actually did for us. And he's making us to know the difference between where we could have been in sin and where we have before us with the holiness. He's given us that. So we have to understand that gift. Well, discipline is teaching us that. That's very important for us to understand. So um, without holiness uh, and peace, this peace that he's talking about is the peace that has been made between God and man. So the enmity was there. There was an enmity between God and man because of sin. But now Jesus has, has made peace for us. So this peace and holiness is his gift to us, those of us who are saved. And he says, without which no man shall see the Lord. So you can't even see him. You can't even hope to be before him without these things. And that's what he's given us. And um, so it's really beautiful the way that the writer is showing us how that the discipline 
although grievous, yields this peaceable fruit of righteousness. There's a benefit for us, not only now, but for eternity. In verse 15, he says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So what does that mean? Well, he's saying now, you need to follow peace uh, with all men in holiness, because without those, you won't even see the Lord. So you don't even, you have no opportunity to even be in the household of faith. Uh, but you also need to be very diligent, looking very diligently, right? Well, what are you looking diligent at? Well, you got to be diligent about your um, accountability to the word, your accountability to the Lord Jesus, right? Because when these trials come, you have to be very diligent, right? We have to be very disciplined. And we have to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus, right? Because otherwise we could completely miss the purpose of the trials. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. Well, how do you fail the grace of God? Because you're so caught up and so uh, your hands are hanging low and your knees are all feeble. And you're so, you got the poor knees, my old pastor used to say, your lips hanging so low. You could suck marbles out of a gopher hole. You know, it's just, oh, everything's bad. And so you completely miss the grace of God that that is there for you because you take your eyes off the Lord Jesus. So that's what he says. We have to look diligently. Keep our eyes on him. Keep our gaze on the Lord Jesus, who he is, our love for him, our, our uh, the, the wonderful things that he's done for us. And giving us this holiness and this peace, we have to keep our eyes on those things diligently so that we don't fail of the grace of God. We don't miss the grace that he has for us. Because he says, unless any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. What is this root of bitterness? Well, that's what happens when you take your eyes off the Lord and you start looking at the situation. You start getting bitter. Well, this is not fair. Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to lose this or not have that and they get to have this? And I mean, I'm one of God's children. Why, why does it look like everybody else has everything that I want and I don't have anything? They seem like everything's going great for them and I get nothing. That's that root of bitterness. And what will happen is, is it'll take root in your soul and it'll grow. The bitterness will grow, grow, grow. And... Before you know it, you don't see any grace. You don't see anything good in this serving God. And you start looking at what other people have and you think, well, maybe it's better over there. Well, that's what happened to the son. And he ended up in the pigsty because he thought everything was better over there. But he found out the hard way. And so the writer is trying to keep us from suffering that. So he says, um, Keep looking to the Lord diligently so that you don't uh, allow this root of bitterness to spring up and trouble you. And it, there is tr it will trouble you. It will cause you nothing but trouble, far greater trouble than any um, thing you can imagine. OK, so keep your eyes on the Lord and don't let this happen. Uh, and another result of this root of bitterness, not only will it trouble you, but it says thereby. 
and thereby many be defiled. It'll lead to many other people being defiled because when you take that crooked path and you're not taking the straight path, then it opens up the opportunity for nothing but defilement. And you know what? Misery loves company. People rarely sin just by themselves. You know, sin loves company. That's why we have all these clubs and all these other places you can go and you can just have a ball in sin. They got everything you would, you want. If it's drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever you want is there. And that's where you end up. Places like that. And instead of being a witness to many and bringing the light and grace of God to many, you end up leading people to defilement because they follow your path. Oh, yeah, I'm go with this guy. I'm going to go with this girl. You're doing it. I'm going to do it too. So we don't want that. We don't want to be on our hands and knees eating out of, eating with pigs, eating slop with pigs, and then come to our senses and go, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Don't ever go down that path. That's what he says in verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So we got to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus. This, I think, is a lot to take in that we've uh, covered so far. So rather than to so that I can do the rest of the passage justice, I'm going to stop here. But I hope that the things that we've covered make sense to you that we have been given an opportunity to learn of things about the Lord Jesus that we couldn't learn any other way, and it's through discipline. And this discipline makes us to be a better Christian, a better believer, more effective in our use of our spiritual gifts and the way that God uses us. It allows us the opportunity to learn about him and his grace in a way that we couldn't any other way. So these trials, even though they're difficult, they have a purpose and we have to be encouraged and know that it's a part of our development. It's a part of what's making us to be more like the Lord Jesus and um, that we have to be encouraged. We have to encourage one another. You know, it's very important that we encourage one another when we get the opportunity, if the Lord puts it on your heart, to share that word of encouragement um, and to receive the grace and encouragement that he has for you. And, you know, that's going to come from the word of God. It's very important to understand that. There's a lot of voices and noises out there, but he says, my sheep hear my voice. Okay, and his voice is going to come from the word of God. And his sheep know that, know when, when they're hearing the word of God. He makes sure of that. So I pray that this um, study has been a blessing to you. Hebrews as a whole has really done so much for me in my life. Um, more than I'm able to articulate at this time because... You know, the Lord is still ministering to me about things that we've studied in the uh, first part of Hebrews. And so um, I hope the same 
is true for you. I hope that you are taking the time to start from the beginning and just follow through each lesson. And I think if you do that, that's a kind of a discipline in and of itself. And there's great benefits that'll come to you in your life as a result of it. I pray that the Lord will make this particular lesson a blessing to you that if you know others that may enjoy that you would share it with them and that you would encourage them through the word of God. Um, let's close. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the provision of your word, how that you did not leave us without comfort. You've given us, God, the Holy Spirit to take your word and to apply it to our lives. And I pray you'd be glorified in that. I thank you for all the grace that you have for us. There's so much more grace than we even are aware of, but I thank you that you're teaching us and showing us. And I pray that you'd be glorified in all these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.